welcome to Practicing Life, a podcast where I share my personal journey with you so that you can be the person you want to be. I'm Ashley Pitzer, the host of this podcast, fantasy writer, yoga instructor, personal trainer and fitness instructor, mom of two kids on the autism spectrum, and wife to a twin flame. Now, let's balance our mind, body, and spirit. Well, hello, beautiful souls. This is Ashley with Practicing Life, and I'm here today to talk to you about lies, the lies that we tell ourselves. And I really feel called to do this podcast today, and I don't exactly know everything that I should be saying because I am in self-discovery of this too. So let's grow together, practicing life. All right. So I'm going to start off by saying that we've been taught to lie to ourselves, And it's so hard to even break this down because there are so many layers of lies that just get stacked up on top of one another and it gets convoluted. That's really what I'm trying to say. So one of the main ideas that you're going to see all through probably every one of my podcasts is the fact that the words that we say matter, the way that we think matters. But when you look back to the very beginning, what and who were the people that taught you those words and taught you those thoughts? Because ultimately, one of the spiritual paths I'm on is trying to find out who I really am. Who am I outside of who I was raised and brought up to be by all the different entities and people in this world? And so that's where it gets really interesting because, you know, as you're an adult, you're older, you're reaching back to your earliest days and what you can remember and trying to discover um, where you first learned a thought. Why do you even have this thought? So that's why I am saying there's so many lies because we're taught so many things and we believe so many things from an early age. And it's really hard to come back to who you were before all of these lessons got put into your brain. So from a subconscious level, this is something I would like to do a podcast on. But the way your brain works is you have your kind of your pre-cortex, your frontal brain, um, you have this thinking. I'm going to make this super, super simple. So you have this aspect of your brain that is in charge, that calls all the shots, that does the thinking, that does the analyzing. And then you have this subconscious part of your brain that takes orders. It's a subservient. It is a slave. It is the power behind what words you're telling yourself that you need to do. So like what I mean by that is if you can um if you can imagine 
your government or some ruling authority, you have somebody who's calling all the shots. And if you've ever worked for a government job, which, you know, (laughs) I've had a couple of them. So um, if you're one of the people that are in the leading role, you realize you have so little say over what to do. You're just expected to kind of keep your head down and do your job and to do it well. And they don't want you to think. They just want you to do, you know? So um, whatever job you have, you may be able to relate this to, but this is kind of how your brain is set up too. You have somebody well, you have some. You have a you have a thought that is calling all the shots, and then you have your subconscious that is making the actions possible, and that subconscious is so imprinted by a very early age. They say that they who's they right. There's research out there that leads us to understand that your brain is primarily taught between the ages of four to seven. I mean, there's there's bigger gaps than that. It's like two to eight, but four to seven are kind of like your primary ages. And so whoever is in your life, whatever is in your life is kind of imprinting you. And maybe you don't understand what imprinting means, but I'm going to relate this back to you, to my dogs. My husband used to be a dog trainer and we were involved in a sport called Schutzhund. And so you taught dogs how to do obedience work, how to track, you know, how to sniff out smells, how to find people. Um, Anyway, you went through all of this stuff. And so it was so important that when you got your puppy, you got them as early as possible and you started to imprint them. And what that means is you started to introduce them to bite work, how to bite, and you started introducing them to smells and you made it really simple and you made it fun and you you kind of taught your puppy the super, super basics and then you built on that over age. And so relating it back to us humans, we are imprinted from a really young age and it's it's just the way that the world works. I mean, it's nobody's fault. It's just how it works. So your parents imprint you. And I'm going to give a personal example of me. I'm an adult, right? And I'm trying to figure out who I am and I'm trying to really understand who I would have been if I wasn't taught certain lessons. And um, so like one of the things that I grew up with, if you look at one parent, I had one parent who really felt that having a clean house was super important and that was a value. And so, but when you look at that parent and you look at his parents, you know, my dad was this way, so it'll make it easier. Like my dad was very much cleanliness. Like if you didn't have a clean room, you could be expected to be spanked or in time out or not leave your room until that room was clean. Um, You weren't allowed to go out and play with friends. You may not have been able to have breakfast or lunch, whatever it may have been until things were cleaned and put up. And it was so important to him. And then when you look back, it was super important to my grandmother, which is his mother. And so you you can see the chain. And then to my grandmother, it was super important from her stepmother. So, and then on the opposite side, I think about my mom and my mom is super amazing, but, you know, she really did not like laziness. And so for her, being productive was a value. And and even today, you can see how much she strives for 
productivity. And so, you know, I have been incorporated into these lessons. Like I now, as an adult, I have an issue with being lazy. I have an issue with relaxing because I was brought up with certain principles and certain values. And so um, as you get older, you have, like I said, all of these lessons that get stacked up onto it because it's not just your parents that do this. It is, it is school. It is school that you know tells you that you have to make good grades in order to be successful. Well, that's really not true. And there's hundreds and hundreds of examples of that. But, you know, they train you this way. You, they train you to think a certain way. Like, you, you know, you have to have all A's. You have to strive. You have to do better. You have to be the number one, you know, sports player in order to get that scholarship. You have to do this. You have to do that. And so you're just layered and layered with all of these things. And so I've been spending time trying to unwind and unknot all of these layers and really find out like what brings me joy. I've been working with a life coach and, and you know, the life coach just encourages me so much to figure out well, what brings you joy. I'm sitting here as an adult thinking, I have no idea what brings me joy. I'm just a freaking workhorse. Like, I know I have X amount of responsibilities and I have X amount of time and I'm trying just to make it work and I'm trying to survive. And like that is not even the foundations of what the United States principles were like built on, right? The pursuit of happiness. Like where where did that pursuit go? Because all I'm trying to do is keep my kids healthy and safe and make sure that they're gonna be responsible citizens and I'm trying to, you know, invest in my marriage and make my marriage work. And I'm trying to invest in myself and to keep my sanity and keep my health. And, you know, when you look at it, I'm like, where is my pursuit of happiness? And so this is where a lot of my thoughts and self-reflection have come upon because I'm trying to discover like what makes me happy. And I have to go all the way back to like my childhood and think like, who was I in my earliest days before everybody told me who I'm supposed to be and before rewards were created to shape me into the person that I am. So like, what does that mean? So, you know, you get, you get good grades, you get five bucks. I don't know. Maybe you got this, maybe you didn't. Um, but you know, like there's rewards, there's incentives all throughout your life. Um, so for me, uh, an example would be sports. Um, I discovered at a really young age that I was good at sports. And so there wasn't a place for me where I really felt like I belonged. But then all of a sudden, because I was such a phenomenal swimmer, it's like I had a, a group of people that suddenly wanted to become friends with me. And, you know, because I was a good swimmer, they wanted to be friends with me. And then then there's this reward created. Oh, if I'm a good swimmer, you know, I get friends, you know, or I get um attention from the coach or I get high fives from people when I get out of the water because I helped the team. I made the team overall contribute collectively to that winning, you know, score. And so there's all these things that are put onto you. And so does this relate to lies? In a way it does. I'm phrasing it as it does. And it's okay if you don't follow this logic and it doesn't speak to you. But would I have fallen in love with swimming had I not gotten 
these rewards would have mattered to me? I don't know. And I think that's where it becomes like really, really hard when you're an adult and you get lost. I don't know if you felt this way at all, but I totally got lost. And that's why I've invested so much in life coaches, multiple life coaches of different sorts. You know, I have a life coach for like business and for um, like self-worth and, you know, just all these different facets like transformation and anyway, and, you know, I invest so much in reading and studying the subconscious and how your brain works and personal development because I'm trying to get to that source of what truly makes me happy. And sometimes it's hard to know what's happy because like I've been lied to my whole life. Like I've been told you're special because you're a good swimmer. And I believed that lie, but I was always special. And and I know I've mentioned this to my friends and my family and, you know, people that I've been around, like when I teach yoga, I've mentioned this to people and I don't think people get it, but you are born like worthy. You don't have to earn that. And people don't understand it because, because our society has taught us you're worthy. The, the new movie that just came out, the um, Disney movie Enchanto. I really, really love the woman that's strong. I think her name is Lisa. I'm sorry, I don't know these things. Um, but I love the song that she sings as she starts to realize that her magical power of strength is starting to like flicker. And who would she be without that strength? And in the beginning of her song that she has, she talks about she knows she's worthy. And then towards the end of the song, she says something to the effect of, you know, would I be worthy without this strength? She is admired for her strength. And because she is admired for her strength and because she receives an external validation from the world, she thinks her worthiness comes from her ability to be so strong and to move mountains and whatever else that she says she does in the song. And that breaks my heart when I hear that song and that that phase. I love the song. I love the beat. I love you know, a lot of things about it, but that particular phrase just breaks my heart because we don't understand our worthiness and we don't understand our worthiness because we're brought up to find our worthiness through external validation and therefore we're always chasing it. So I'm going to tie this back around. I'm circling again. So the lies, right? I believed a lie about swimming. Another example. And when I can think back to my earliest memories, I can remember loving to wear dresses, really, really fancy, like poofy dresses, not just your simple ones. And, you know, I can remember when I would take a drink, you know, from a glass, I would always have my pinky up and I was made fun of like, oh, aren't you the little princess in your dress with your pinky up? Like, don't you think you're a princess because of X, Y, Z, right? And so you're ridiculed and you're, you're put down and then you're taught, oh, well, if I wear dresses and I have my pinky up, then people don't like me or I'm going to get made fun of and that hurts my feelings and I don't like hurt. So I'm going to be somebody else. I'm going to train myself to be somebody else. I'm going to train myself not to wear dresses and to be comfortable in jeans when I really freaking hate jeans, you know, like, and this happens at such a young age, like, 
two to eight years old, all of this stuff happens and you lose sight of what really, really brings you joy. And I was journaling the other day and I was, when you, when, when I do this type of journaling, this is journaling where you try not to think, you just try to feel. So you ask yourself a question and then you just start writing. And so whatever comes up, you just write it, even if it makes no sense, even if it's not related to the topic, you just write it. And so, like I said, I've been doing a lot of soul searching about like, what brings me joy? Like, how do I even align with joy anymore? Um, Like, I know that there are certain things, like when I get a pedicure, I'm really, really happy. That makes me happy. But the the question is like, what brings me like joy, like that bliss, Um. So I'm doing journaling to help me try to discover this. And and so I was asking myself a particular question about my ego. And I was just writing and writing and writing. And when I looked back and I kind of read over things, I was asking myself, like, like, how do I, how do I not fall into my ego? Because your ego is essentially your identity. It's like who you've been taught to be versus like, this is more of a spiritual podcast today. I don't know if you can get that gist, but you know, like your ego is kind of like your values and who you've brought up to be and the self-importance that you put on things and what you make things mean. So it's very much like a learned behavior that you've probably learned from such a super age, like a super young age that you can't even remember it. But um, like trying to identify like who's my true self who's my true source and so like this journaling is over like who would I be without this ego without this identity like how do I get this and like the things that were pulling up for me was like dance sing like really really simple things right and you're like oh my gosh like when I think about dancing and when I think about singing, it brings me back to my early childhoods when like you danced and you didn't care, you know, what you looked like or how you were moving. You were just moving to the beat of the music and you're just feeling it. And then that pulls back a memory of um, someone in my life that was super important, like making fun of me and saying that I can't dance. And they had happened to walk in on me like when I was dancing and I was all by myself and I was to music and I was just out there being a free spirit and having fun. And I felt so small. And that moment when someone made fun of me that I was like, okay, if I'm ever going to dance again, which I dance, I mean, if, if, if you could see me out on the Zoom before, I dance, like I put my heart into it. And my husband and I, we have been doing dance lessons for like six years. And so there's a structured dance where we're learning tango and ballroom and West Coast and East Coast. And I love it all. But if you notice, every one of those dances are structured. They're not a free spirit just moving to the music and feeling your heart and feeling your soul and moving where your body wants to move. It's like I was taught that's not okay. Like you don't look pretty. You don't look sexy. You don't look attractive. You don't look the way you're supposed to look. So you can't move that way. And so that's what I'm saying. Like I believed the lies because there is pain or rewards associated with it. And 
I know that there's lies that we all tell ourselves as adults. I'm going to speak to an adult level because when, when I'm working with people with life coaching or I'm watching other people be life coached in group settings, we deny ourselves what our heart truly, truly wants. Sometimes we're even too scared to even tell anybody what our heart really wants because we're so scared that somebody is going to make fun of us and so scared that somebody is going to mock us or put us down or make us feel so small. And so we lie to ourselves and we say, you know, okay, well, this is what I want to do. And yeah, it may be something that you want to do from a surface level. But it is what your heart truly wants. Is it what your soul truly wants? Is it who you are deep, deep down? That's where lies come in. We lie to ourselves because sometimes it's just so hard to stand up and be who you really are because it might mean that you face social rejection and that is painful. And so another way I can relate this back to me is um, I've always enjoyed writing. I've always enjoyed, like when I was in high school, I was the kid who signed up for creative writing. When I was in college, I signed up for creative writing. You know, I took creative writing for children's literature and I took creative writing, um, just the class itself. And I took poetry and I did all these things and I've just always enjoyed writing, but I never pursued it as a career. And um, anyway, like, I I didn't get recognition. I've had certain people come up to me through my childhood and tell me, like I've had my creative teacher in like high school tell me, wow, this is really deep. And I've had, you know, I've had certain, you know, professors in college like tell me, wow, like when I did my children's literature story, when I wrote a short story for children, um, you know, I had my professor come to me and say, wow, this is this is really good. But it wasn't, it wasn't believable to me, even though these people came to me and told me these things, it wasn't believable because the collective wasn't lifting me up. Like I've been trained like that you need to be validated by certain people or a quantity of people in order to believe it within yourself. And so it wasn't something that I like really believed as a career for myself. I believed it more as like, yeah, okay, this is a hobby. This is a passion for me. I'm glad that they enjoyed it. Yay. Um, and so it was, it was later in my life when I was doing a job and life was starting to fall apart and it was a tough time in my marriage. It was a tough time for my oldest kid who was starting to have some behavioral issues. My youngest kid was having so many seizures in and out of the hospital and you're just getting hit all at once by all these life forces. And I, I was really angry with my job because they wouldn't let me off of work to see my daughter who had been in the hospital for three days straight from a really bad seizure and they weren't letting me off because I didn't have vacation. I didn't have time off. Right. And so I was like, you know what, this job is not going to work for me then. Like my priority is my kid and my family. I have to go to them. And so I ended up quitting this job and went and seen my kid in the hospital and, and was where I needed to be. Because that was so, that was such a soul level thing that it didn't matter. It didn't matter what it cost me. It didn't matter that it cost me my job. It didn't matter that it cost me friends at work. It didn't matter to me because it was so, so important to me to be there for my kid that I didn't care what the consequences were or who I upset or who I, you know, who I caused disapproval for, right? Like the consequences didn't matter. 
And so when I quit that job, I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to write. And I was so scared to tell people at work that I was leaving my job and that I was going to start writing. <laughs> and so I I left this job and I was like so intent on, on starting to write. But guess what? As soon as I quit, a friend came up to me and said, hey, you know what? I happen to know somebody that needs somebody part-time. This would work out with your family. And they sold me like this image of a job that I could make do. And I immediately put my dream of becoming a writer and like actually stepping into that role that I always wanted to do. I immediately put that on the back burner and I made circumstances more important. I was like, okay, well, you know what? Money today is more important than like money later, you know, and it's more important that I'm able to support my family and this is going to work. And, you know, I just I just lied to myself. I lied to myself in so many different ways. I lied to myself that that money was more important than pursuing something that has always spoke to my whole, like my heart. And I lied to myself on the fact that I like needed this job. And I lied to myself on the fact that like this job would be it would be something that I was good at, which I was decent at it. I wasn't, you know, my heart singing and I was like an eagle soaring above the clouds. It wasn't like that magical type of job, but I was decent at it. And like, I definitely, my employers were definitely happy with my work. It was something that I could do, but it didn't speak to me at all. It was just work, like laborious work. There was no joy. There was no satisfaction in it other than the external validation of the fact that my bosses were happy with my work. Like it was all external praise. It was all like external. I could feel good pat on my back because I got X, Y, Z, you know, done and I did it well, but it was nothing as far as feeding my soul and lifting me up. And I completely lied to myself. And I stand to you, I tell you now, I'm not standing before you because I'm on a podcast, but I tell you now that here I am. I've quit my job now for like the third time, fourth time and said, I'm going to write and I'm actually standing in it because I'm doing the self-work and I'm working with coaches and I'm allowing myself to believe in myself and to believe that this was what I was called to do. And I'm allowing myself the joy of writing. And so I'd like to wrap this up with just kind of like a thought, you know, like to to speak to you and maybe to encourage you to soul search for yourself to see what it is that brings you joy. Like how many things in your life bring you joy? When I started doing life coaching, one of the first life coaches that I worked with, you know, asked that I create a gratitude journal. And it was for my husband to tell you the truth, because again, we were in the pandemic and living together with a special needs kid and all of these things going on with an older kid with behavioral issues. The The home was not as peaceful as I wanted it to be. And I was really struggling because I'm a peaceful person. Like I need peace. I need quiet and I need aloneness. Like that's you know, some of the facts that I need for self-care and I wasn't getting it. And so without that self-care, like the, you know, pillars of your life, they start to crumble. You know, my base of self-care and self-love wasn't getting met. And so these other pillars in my life were starting to just shake and rattle and become challenging for me. 
and not feel as stable as they should be. And so I started to invest in life coaching. And so one of the things that the life coach had asked me to do was to create a gratitude journal and to write three things down that I was thankful for my husband that he was doing or saying or acting or feeling whatever spoke to me. I was supposed to write it down every single day. And so I started doing this. But then it occurred to me a little while later as I worked with like another life coach on more of the spiritual stuff that like I needed to find my joy and I joy with this particular point in my life was probably like 1%, maybe two. It was super, super low. It was just like, I remember telling my friend, I'm just a robot. It's so heartbreaking to even think that I thought that, but I did and I believed it. It's just even more heartbreaking. I can't even tell you how much it hurts to hear and think of this now. But yeah, I remember telling my friend, I'm just a robot. Like my feelings don't matter. I just have to shut my feelings down and I just have to show up for my husband and I just have to show up for my kids. And I just have to go through the motions. I have to get these things done. You know, like I've got to get food done. I've got to get the groceries shopped. You know, I've got to get the house cleaned. I've got to get laundry put away. I've got to um, do my work. I got to balance the check bills. And it was just like this forever to-do list. Like my kids need their clothes rotated because they can't fit into these clothes. I need to, you know, bring this stuff to goodwill. It was just like to-do, 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 to-do. Responsibility, 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 responsibility. Because, let's circle this back to the front of the podcast. I was brought up to believe that laziness is despicable, like my words, not how I was raised, but it's how I interpreted it. Uh, You know, like I didn't even allow myself to like rest. I didn't allow myself to be lazy because that was against my virtues. (laughs) You know, like it was all about productivity. Productivity equals worthiness equals you're special. It means you're important, blah, 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 all of this. BS and all of these lies that I believed, right? So when I was working with this more spiritual life coach and she was like, you got to work on your joy. You got to find joy. And um, so I started taking the principle of what I learned from first life coach with working with my like husband and my relationship and writing three things a day that I was grateful for. I started to write down three things that I had joy for. And let me tell you, there was some days where I was just sitting there for like 30 minutes, like searching my mind, like what, what was there anything joy that I could write about in that day? Like, oh, I saw a pretty sunset today and I had a moment where I felt joyful. Um, And so like those, like that's the beginning of where I started from with writing joy. But as I started to allow myself to take this time to write the fantasy book. And let me tell you, I have started and stopped writing so many books because it's something I've always wanted to do. And it's something that has spoken to my heart. And so I have written, I've written sometimes where it's only two to three pages. And I've written sometimes when it's like 50 and I've written up to like, I think a hundred was my total that I ever wrote towards um, a fantasy book. But I mean, a hundred up and a hundred pages up into that point was the max I ever did. And I, you know, working with a life coach on business now, you know, I made the commit with my business life coach that I was, this was my commitment. This was the habit I was going to create. I was going to write every single day 
And I was going to create this fantasy book that has just been on my mind repeatedly, like something that just circles back into my life and circles back into my life. And I've ignored and I've pushed away and I've said no, and I've denied it. I've denied it and I've denied it. Like, it's just a hobby. You know, that's not for me. Like, that's not going to make me money. You know, like I don't, I didn't go to school to be a writer. I don't have the education. I suck at grammar. I suck at spelling. How could I be a writer? Like there was just all of these things that I allowed to be obstacles. And then when I started working with the business life coach, I just had to put all of those thoughts on hold and say, you know what, today I'm going to trust myself. And I'm going to trust myself that this is my calling. And this is what I'm supposed to do. And so I did. I had, that's the path I've been following. And so when I when I write in my journal now and I write down three things that provide me joy every day, I can't tell you how many times. I mean, it lifts my heart. I don't even know if you can hear it in my voice, but it lifts my heart. Like when I write in my journal, I think, I absolutely loved that scene I wrote today. Or when I introduced this new character, I was like, oh my God, I love this new character. She's so freaking badass. I just love her. You know, like I write so much joy comes out of writing this book. And you know what? I can get into fear. I could choose to get into fear. I could choose to let my brain go down this path that is not rewarding and is not empowering. And I could say like, why should I even write this book? Who's going to read it anyway? No one will read this. Like I could go into that, but I refuse to because it provides me with so much joy. And even if I put this book out and even if it doesn't, you know, sell one copy, I mean, it's going to sell one copy because at least my mom will buy it. Right, mom? I know you're there for me. (laughs) So my mom and my sister, I can count on you too. And then I'll probably have a couple of friends that will buy it too. So it's never going to be zero (laughs) copies sold. I know that. And I believe in that. And, um, but the thing about it is, is like, I'm allowing myself to believe that it is going to sell and that it is going to speak to somebody and it's going to mean something to somebody and that people are going to relate to it because honestly when I write I I'm writing from so many different perspectives because I've been so many different people you know like I've been that scared little girl I was mute as a child and I was so scared to talk I was so scared that I didn't belong anywhere. You know, like I'm writing from so many different experiences and I'm writing from the experience of who I'm becoming now and finding my joy and finding bliss and finding what lifts me up and finding what fills my soul. And all of that is in this book through the different characters. And so somebody's going to relate to it. It's going to speak to somebody at some point in their life, even if it isn't today. When I, yoga speaks to me and you know, I'm a yoga instructor now, but my sister was the one who introduced me to yoga. Thank you, sis. (laughs) But she introduced it to me while I was in college and I was an athlete in college. You know, I was on the college swim team. I was on the tennis team. I was on the volleyball team. Like, you know, I was on everything I could be on. And um, so anyway, when I went to yoga, I looked at it as 100% a physical practice. And so she took me to this, you know, yoga practice. And, and I look back on it, and I think it was beautiful. But at the time when I was in that first 
experience of yoga, I was like, Psh, this was a cakewalk. This was not even challenging. I wasn't even out of breath. Like this was so easy. I don't know what everybody is raving about with yoga. <laughs> and like I didn't touch yoga again for several, several years because I came to yoga only able I was only able to open my soul up to the physical aspect of it. And then when my special needs child was born and she was born with, uh, you know, a rare genetic disorder and, you know, there was just so many, there's so much emotional strife and struggle I was going through. And I would go to the gym for a couple of minutes just to get away from it to escape because at that point I was a stay at home mom. I had to leave my career once again to take care of a special needs child and to do therapies with her all day and to take her back and forth to doctor appointments. And at that point in time, I either had to hire a caregiver that was full time or be the caregiver. And, you know, I will just make a little side note here. I was told that my kid would probably never walk and never talk. And I was like, hell no. (laughs) I was like, that is not happening. I used all my willpower. I was like, this is not happening. I will do everything in my power to see that my child walks and talks. And I just threw myself into not only a career as a stay-at-home mom, but I became the best damn therapist in every freaking way. And I've studied so many things to be everything I could be for this child, right? And so I was carrying all this weight Um, trying to deny this reality that I was told was going to be a reality. And so I I started going to yoga and within the first practice, it was the first time I felt like I could let go and I could relax and I could breathe (laughs) and I could just let go of all these emotions that were trapped inside of me. And it was that point that yoga just moved my soul and I realized it was something that I needed. Right. So when I write this book, it may not speak to the person when they read it today, but maybe it'll speak to them 15 years later. Maybe it'll speak to them when their kid is a high schooler and they're reading this and they're like, oh, I get it. Whatever. I'm going to close up this um, podcast because it has been a, a couple of minutes here, but I just wanted to talk to you about, you know, what lies are you telling yourself? What lies has the world told you? What lies have you believed about yourself? Who's told you you aren't incredible and you've believed it? That's lies. I promise you it's lies. Because you were put on this earth for a reason. And you were put on this earth to make a difference, even if it's in one person's life. You know, like, what if I was put on this earth just to help my daughter. Let me tell you, my daughter can walk and she can talk. What if I was put on here for this purpose and this time of life just to make a difference in this person's life? You are special. You are important. You are matter. I can't even emphasize that enough. You are so valuable. And you know what? The world is going to tell you that you're not, and the world is going to tell you, no, you know, you can't go pursue whatever it is that you are going to pursue, you know, like 
a common one that you may hear is like, you can't make money being an artist. Or maybe you've heard the things of like, oh, well, only, you know, a select few make it in this. So why pursue it? What if you are the one? What if you were the one that was meant for that? And you denied yourself because somebody told you, oh, well, only like 1% make it. You know, like, you, you know, like, how do you get to the true source of who you are and who you were always meant to be in the path that you were supposed to walk? You get there by being quiet and listening to your soul and seeing and feeling who you really are and like getting everybody's junk out of your head. So this podcast is not going to be for people who want to bury themselves into TV and, you know, whatever social media that is out there and distract themselves and just to um, continue to survive and and not to thrive and strive. This podcast is not going to speak to you. But there are going to be people out there that that are realizing that, you know what, there's more to life than this. Like, I can't just keep numbing out with alcohol or drugs or um, spending all my time with my friends and trying to be the person that they want me to be. So just some things for you to think about getting honest with yourself tracing back your earliest memories and who you were before somebody like tried to put you in a box and tried to put you in a hole and make you fit there. And if you can go back to those earliest moments where you yourself started to train yourself to be somebody different so that you were more acceptable or whatever it may be, something that, um, something that was really beautiful that I heard was, an assignment that you can give yourself that imagine there's one thing that makes you super special, whatever it may be, you know, like I, in, in high school and in elementary and whatever, I would have told you what made me special was swimming because that's where I got my Adelaide's, my, my pat on the backs. I would have told you swimming is what made me special because I got all this external validation and I believed it. But, you know, Imagine taking that one thing that made you special and putting that in a box and hiding it from the world and you were no, long, no longer allowed to talk about it. You were no longer allowed to write about it. You were no longer allowed to share anything about it. You had to shut that off and pretend that it didn't exist. How would that make you feel? What would that be like? Could you even spend like two to three days shutting away something that you right now currently express that makes you feel good about yourself and all of a sudden you have to hide it? Well, that's what I'm talking about. That's what we were told and instructed and we told ourselves at a very early age. We said, no, you know, we can't be this person because this person doesn't fit in the box that the world, the world as a whole society has told us we can be and we've shut it away and we've refused to allow ourselves to talk about it and to think about it and to feel about it. So just encouraging you that it's okay to undo that box and to step out of it, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's going to cause your parents or somebody like that to disapprove who cares? It's your life. And soon your life is going to be over if you don't start living it. So live it. Live it the way that brings you joy. 
as my life coach has instructed me to do and I've been working on for months now. Figure out what brings you joy, what really brings you bliss and be that. All right. Take care, you guys. You matter. I love you. Thank you for listening to this episode. It is an honor to serve you. If you found any of this information helpful, I would love for you to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones, as well as subscribe to this podcast. I would also be grateful for a five-star review. You matter. Until next time.